Okay, gonna try something new tonight. I have this pile of shame games that need to get to the table. I hope these one-trick pony players of mine won't notice it's not D&D. For sheep, I have wood for sheep. Get a load of that guy. He has wood for sheep. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> well, maybe a little old. I remember raising sheep. Those were the days. Way better than hauling those damn bricks around. Yeah, bricks suck. It's still better than building that stupid railroad. How so? I would think the open air would be refreshing. Being outdoors is nice, but you work on it for months, and nine times out of ten, some other jerk ends up laying his track right in front of yours. An express train to nowhere? Why even bother? Yeah, you aren't kidding. Our whole economic model is awful. One month we all run to raise sheep, and the next month we're mining ore. It's absurd. No kidding. Remember that year we grew all the grain, traded it away, and then traded it back for two months later? We ended up losing half the crop. I'm still not sure how that happened, but we got shafted. Hello, I'm here for the bricks. Seriously? You were just here. You barely gave me time to make any new bricks. Sorry about that. I'll just be taking that big pile and be on my way. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You're just going to give him the bricks? Shouldn't we call the sheriff? Put up a fight or something? Sheriff? I don't think we have a sheriff. I have seen that knight walking around leading that big army, but they never seem to do anything. Bunch of posers, if you ask me. I can't even remember the last time we had a war. Whoops, gotta go. Thanks for the bricks, governor. Thank the makers. He's finally gone. <laughs> now I can start making bricks again. You ever think that maybe our lives are just a vicious cycle of work and disappointment? Nope. I'm making bricks. Yeah, well, I for one have had enough. I'm gonna pack my things, head for the port, and... Wood for sheep! I have wood for sheep! <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old. Well, back to the railroad. Not much longer, and this time it'll be the longest in the land. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. And I'm Eric Hawley. And Greg is having some vacation time, so he's not in on this one, but uh, he'll be back at the next one. So um, we're going to be doing a little bit of a different tact with this particular podcast. Yeah, we, we normally cover games people play, and mm -hmm. we talk about a lot of the other stuff we do, but we don't really get to go into it in a lot of detail. Right. But a lot of us, uh, listeners, players, we play more than just D&D. We spend a lot of time talking about D&D, but we do a lot of other games, too. All kinds of different stuff. And so this is going to be our podcast where we get to talk a little bit more in depth about some of the games that we are currently playing and some of the games that we are looking forward to playing. So yeah. um, I'm not sure exactly how we want to get into this. But well, uh, there's a, was a big release yesterday in my world, and there's a big release today mm -hmm. um, on the video game front. Right, so, and you are a big video gamer. I, I myself used to be, but as I explained uh, off mic, I just don't have the time anymore. And I'm not a console gamer. I have a desktop PC because that's the only real way to play video games. In okay. My book. I want the full keyboard, the mouse. <laughs> I want it all. I, I never got into the whole console thing, which I paid for because one of the games that I recently was finally able to play was Red Dead Redemption 2. How did you like that? Because that's on my Christmas wish list, and I, yeah, I know, yeah, it's two well, years old. It, <laughs> if you, I think it's through, maybe it's not through Steam. 
now it's through their special launcher. Otherwise, I could share it with you. But um, it's fun. Yeah. It's the world is very immersive. The graphics are stunning. Right. They spent a lot of time like uh, I was reading some stuff online before I got to actually play it. You can like there's horses that you mm-hmm. can try to, you know, you have to calm and and they actually the horse's ear position dictates to their attitude. Tells you what their attitude is, just like real life. Yes. So and they, they had a lot of experts in on this game. That's cool. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, it's it's crazy Is detailed. it a builder game where you have to build things? So there's a single player campaign, mm-hmm. and then there's an online. I haven't done the online yet. Okay. But the single player campaign, you sort of, you're part of a group, and they have a base, and you can upgrade the base with money, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a a metric on there that you can either go the good path or the bad path. And the good path gets you discounts in towns and not everybody's trying to kill you, but the bad path pretty much lets you rob everybody. (laughs) Let me guess. You're going to go... I've tried to be good. Okay. For for the single player campaign, I've tried to be good. I might do it again. Are you familiar with a game called Fable? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever played it. It's a very fun game, and it's it's set in kind of like a pre-industrial uh, England, yeah. and you have that same type of thing where you have uh, choices, good choice, bad choice, and depending on what you choose, your character changes in appearance and how people react to you eventually. So yeah. it's kind of cool. It's yeah. Cool. Now, my one complaint with those games is, like most people, I don't have a ton of time. I got yeah. a million things going mm-hmm. on. So, like, I played... A ton of Red Dead Redemption when it first came out. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2. And I haven't picked it up for like the past two weeks because I've got other stuff I'm doing. And yeah. I hate those story games where you sort of have to remember where you were, what you're doing. Yeah. This isn't as bad. It doesn't have like quests and stuff. You have a journal and a log, but it, it puts stuff on the map that just sort of says, hey, you need to go here for something. you got a lot of side quests. Because... Oh, there's a ton of okay, side quests. Okay, see, I get too distracted by the side quest and then I forget about the main quest. Yeah, this doesn't let you do that. They, they have a, like the main quest line is always, I think, in yellow maybe. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, you can't wander too far. It's it's actually a really well done game. The only complaint I have is it's just so long. It, there's a lot of, I think they said to the single player campaign is 40 play hours, but I think I've probably played it more than that and I'm not even out of chapter two yet. So Oh my gosh. Yeah, you because know, wow. you can wander around. You can go hunt and wild game. Yeah. Like, and you can shoot it with your, you know, you got eight different guns and mm-hmm. I mean, it's in a bow and arrow and. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to play it. So you've given me a little bit of uh, an idea that maybe I would do it. I'm not one of those people that enjoys the builder games. You yeah. know, where you got to craft everything like Fallout was. Yeah. And I really wanted to play Conan Exiles, but then I heard that that is not exactly what I'm looking for. It's not the whole hack and slash thing. It's more like survival. Yeah. Well, Bu- those survival. I do enjoy some of those survival games. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of builder games, my, my other go-to game that I still fire up is Kerbal Space Kerbal Program. Kerbal Space Program, which you did a pretty darn good cosplay for. Yeah, I did my, my Kerbal cosplay. Maybe we'll post a picture of that. But that game is is like Legos for physics nerds and mm-hmm. space nerds. It's just so much fun. <laughs> uh, you, you know, there's YouTube channels, people dedicated right. to it. And it's sort of funny because uh, a lot of those, uh, there's a guy named uh, Scott Manley. Scott, I think it's Scott, uh, who does not only Kerbal, he got known for Kerbal, but now he just just general space news. I think he works in the field. He's an astrophysicist or something, something like that. Rocket scientist, who knows? Uh, but his channel actually does a lot of historical stuff. He just did one on the history of the Soviet rockets. 
So he walked you through rocket development, of, or maybe it was Chinese, Chinese or Soviet, one of them. Um, so he does a lot of really cool historical space flight mm -hmm. videos. He did one where they looked at the, the computer on the Apollo missions and sort of, <laughs> you know, just, I mean, sort of the whole thing, look yeah. how simple this was and it got us to the moon. Yeah, we got to the moon basically on duct tape. On and a calculator, like, yeah. Yeah, like a <laughs> TI calculator. Uh, so his is a really good channel. And then, you know, I also follow, there's a, a couple channels for SpaceX. So uh, it's interesting to follow their developments. And Kerbal keeps me sort of tied into all these different yeah. groups. Did you hear that Elon Musk has uh, pretty much set up an entire uh, satellite network to yeah, give us... Starlink. Yeah, broadband yeah, the, internet. The interesting thing about Starlink is my concern was, well, you know, satellite communication, the lag is so, so long. Uh, what good is it going to be? Well, I figured out or I read that geosynchronous satellites are very far from the surface of the Earth. They have to be in order to be geosynchronous. Right. His satellites are not going to be geosynchronous. That's why he needs so many of them, which means they can be so much closer to so Earth. So he's bouncing signals across closer satellites. Yes, much closer, like 10 times closer. Wow. Okay. So with, you know, whatever he needs, 12,000 satellites or something, he's, you're going to have a low latency internet, mm -hmm. which is probably worthwhile. I mean, this is going to make a ton of money. And it's going to make a lot of money in the rural areas that are not very well Yeah, serviced. everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere can get internet. You're out yeah. floating on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic, you got internet. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty impressive. And then they just he just came out with the pickup truck. Yes. The Cybertruck. Yes. I've looked at it. I will, I will admit. I have too. Um, I heard two different price ranges 39 for the base model yes and then I 69 think, for the tri-motor tri that's not too the bad the tri-motor though yeah zero to 60 in like 2.3 seconds holy smokes <laughs> that is like wear a neck brace fast i mean i used to have a race car yeah but you can't even hold on to the steering wheel that no fast. i mean and it's it's just like wow. you know i used to go to the track and those all-wheel drive the subarus yeah you know they just launch off the line you got four tires providing power yeah and the thing with electric motors it's all torque it's I, all right there it's so yeah i don't would you buy no. one well, I just paid off my other car, and I'm mm -hmm. probably going to end up giving it to my son when he graduates college because he's going to need a car to go to graduate school yeah. in. So I'm going to be in the market for a replacement. I have to have a pickup truck. It's in my DNA. I can't live without a pickup truck. Same here. But I also need something with decent mileage because I commute 40 miles each way to work. They were so saying something like, like uh, 400 miles per charge, which is pretty darn good. It was good. 300 for the base, and it goes up to 500 for the tri-motor. Okay. But 300, you know— in the, the type past, of driving you and I do, that's pretty good. Yeah, the, I would still need another car for long distances unless they yeah. get this recharge thing. Um, yeah. So, so it's it's on the table. Yeah. You know. I, well, enough about yeah. you know the the real life Iron Man, Elon Musk. Let's that's talk right. about games. So, <laughs> so the other games sticking to video games. Yeah. Um, Phoenix Point just came out yesterday. Okay. And I don't know. Did you play XCOM USO, UFO Defense in the eighties? Yes, I did. Same guy. Oh, really? Yes. And it's very similar, but upgraded. Hmm. Still needs some balance issues with the encounters. Uh, so, But they're going to patch it. You know, it comes out. It's through Epic Games. Right. Uh, and I I downloaded it. I haven't got to play it. I've seen playthroughs online. It, like I said, it just came out yesterday, and I was, I was otherwise indisposed all day. But that looks like an awesome game. I played so much XCOM UFO Defense. Yeah. And... This looks very similar. You can outfit your squad with weapons, and they have, the idea is that there's a 
mutation of humanity because of you know, global climate change and uh, this virus gets released from the Antarctic ice, which is quasi-realistic mm -hmm. the way things are going, <laughs> uh, and these crab people. So so you're not in space. You're fighting on fighting humanity that's been transformed. So let me ask you, um, I don't get to play as many video games as I would like. I, I've got lots of other things, lots of uh, irons in the fire, so to speak. How much time do you dedicate to playing video games? Um, I usually probably get in, on average, two or three hours a, a week. Okay. Not a ton. That's actually, that that's pretty respectable, I think, in my book, because that shows that you've got a sense of responsibility. Yeah. It, it, you don't it let the dogs week starve. Week. No. Yeah. no <laughs> you know, um, that type of stuff. I'm, you know, sitting in the computer chair in my underwear with, you know, unshaven for four days. Right. Because like the I old days. Ta <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to some people who they spend four to six hours a day. Well, I mean, I was heavy into World of Warcraft when it was popular. Same, I started with EverQuest, again, mm -hmm. heavy in EverQuest. Sold both of those accounts for a ton. Sold my EverQuest account for $1,600. What do you mean? you? Okay, explain that. You sold your account. So basically yeah. you sold your characters that you developed? Yeah. Really? I did not yeah. know you could do that. Well, they banned sales the week after I sold mine, but oh, because <laughs> they didn't like people why. doing that. Yeah. But I'm sure some they used to farm gold and then sell gold on the black market, so to speak. Right. You know, in-game gold for real money, and my character was really powerful, so mm -hmm. they could get even more gold. So somebody thought it was a worthwhile investment. Some Chinese gold gold farmer, probably. But that was years ago. I mean, EverQuest yeah. hasn't been a thing. And then World of Warcraft, I sold that account under the table for three hundred bucks. Because I was done with that. But those games, those are the all-encompassing. You get into those, mm -hmm. and that's where you're like, oh, I haven't eaten in three days. And I tend not to play those games anymore <laughs> because I just don't have the time. Yeah. You know, when I when you're in college or, you know, don't have much in the way of job responsibilities, it's a little easier. Did you ever see the... Uh the web series, The Guild? Oh, I love The Guild. Yeah, that's all about, you know, yeah. people who take their... their World of Warcraft and, a little and too far. What? It's not that far from reality. No, it's not. I mean, it's the not. only unrealistic part about that is that a group of MMO players would actually get together face to face and see each other and become friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would never happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it. I'm sure it, some people it does. Some yeah, people. We're making do. fun. We're making yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, so I, I tend to stay away from those. And, mm -hmm. you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 sort of walks that line. It's not multiplayer. I've also played uh, Grand Theft Auto Online, yeah, which is an interesting dynamic. I just love that the setting for that game. One of the things that I they got away from for a while, but I think they're kind of coming back, is the, uh, the couch co-op. You know what I'm talking about? No, no idea. So, like, Halo. Yeah. You and... Other people could play the same game, the same campaign, cooperatively, on the same couch, on the same team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And my son and daughter and I used to play Halo and a lot of these games that did it pretty religiously. That was when I was putting a yeah. lot of time into video games. And then they got away from it. And that really, it broke my heart, one, because I couldn't play with the kids anymore. Yeah. But two, I was like, now I had to play online with these people who spent, you know, 600 hours honing their skills and you know i'm here sitting around like a drunken idiot yeah. oh well i had the same you know uh my son ian used to bring his friends over mm -hmm. every friday and they would play a variety of things one of the things they would do is team fortress 2 right and one day they were like eric you should play with us here we got an extra computer or i had an extra computer <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And I tell you what, those shooting games, Mm -hmm. like one thing that declines over time, regardless of how fit you are, is reaction time. Yeah. I mean, I used to do a lot of reaction time-based research in graduate school. And it shows. Oh, Uh, my God. Playing against 16, 17, 18-year-olds, you feel like you're just, they're always faster than you. You know, they always get to drop. It's very frustrating. Because back in the day, I was that 16, 17, 18-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I don't play a lot of shooters anymore unless they're single person or co-op because mm-hmm. it's it's a little frustrating to yeah, I was playing boom headshot. Pub, I was playing PUBG with my son and some other people online, and they were basically just carrying me around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be the medic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd plant me somewhere and they'd say, okay, if anybody comes in front of you, shoot them. I did pretty good at that. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's another game comes out today. Uh-huh. Um, also in Epic Games, uh, it's epicgames.com, is Paranoia. And there's a subtitle for it, a New World Order. I don't know what it's called. Paranoia something. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a port of the Paranoia RPG. Oh, really? Now, if they do that well, that game could be a ton of fun. Yeah. I haven't read any reviews on it yet. I don't mm-hmm. think they sent out advanced copies. But the Paranoia role-playing game, if, if any of our listeners have never played it and you get a chance to play it with somebody who knows how to run it, yeah. oh, my God, it is so much fun. What is the whole uh, premise of Paranoia, other so, than the name? Yeah, so Paranoia, it's it's a what I would consider a light-hearted RPG. Mm-hmm. You live in an underground complex where everybody's cloned, and it is run by a computer. The, you know, the uh, master computer, I forget what they name, they call it, but the computer's crazy. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> and back in the 80s when it was made, there was this uh, sub-context where uh, people could be commies, and commies were bad. Right. Right, and, and if you were a commie, you got eliminated. Now, you started the game with like six clones. Mm-hmm. So, so you're going to die in paranoia, and frequently it's your, the other players who get you killed. They will do something. But sometimes it's like, you know, uh, the computer wants you to retrieve that object from the bottom of that vat of acid. <laughs> um, okay, well, if you don't do it, you're disobeying computer, and that's treason, so you die. Right. If you do do it, <laughs> you, you just jumped into a vat of acid. Right, yes. Um, and then, like, items you find frequently don't work because they're made by the computer, so weird things happen. Interesting. And and you're given a, a mission, usually to repair or retrieve or something, and there's a group of you, but you're all sort of trying to stay alive. You, okay. And it's, and it's treasonous to be a member of a secret society. Every character is a member of a secret society. <laughs> so it's, um, to me, it sounds a little bit, you said it's a lighthearted RPG. Your characters probably don't live long. No, well, okay. but you have six. Right. So it sounds a lot like Kobolds Ate My Baby. Did you yeah. ever play that game? I have not. That is an, uh, that's an absolutely hilariously fun game to play because if you're thinking too much, yeah, you're playing it wrong. Now, it's funny, you know, tie into the old days. I played Paranoia. The best GM for Paranoia I ever had was Tim Brown, who worked for GDW, who later worked for TSR and developed Dark Sun. Oh, really? But, oh, my God, that guy could run a Paranoia game. Huh. He used to um, say there's always sort of Muzak uh, playing. on the, And anytime you want to know what song is playing, just ask me. And I, the only one I can remember was, I go, well, what song playing? He's like, oh, it's Send in the Clones. <laughs> Instead of set in the class, and he had a million song titles. Have, yes. Oh my God! It was it was the best game ever. Mm-hmm. We played a couple sessions. Yeah. So we are kind of. Uh, have you got any more video games that you're looking forward to? No, those are the, okay. the 
paranoia and that yeah. Phoenix point. A uh, little bit of, of mashing together old games, new yeah. games. Did you get the email from Steve Jackson Games that all of those box games that we kickstarted... Yeah. They're heading to the U.S. Yeah, so, so. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. He also what did has, you order? What did you order? Did uh, you do I, all in? Yeah, I did the Oh, my the big gosh, bundle. Eric. <laughs> I didn't get every, all, I got, there's some I didn't get. I yeah. got like the, I think it was $145 package or something. Yeah. So I got like, I think 12 or something. Yeah. I, I got went, all the Car Wars because yeah. I love, love me some Car Wars. Yeah, yeah. He's did, coming out with a new version of Car Wars. They yes. just kickstarted it and yesterday. Like, wait a second, you know. I was a little put off by that. I, I, did you watch the video? I did not. Okay, so anyone who hasn't played Car Wars, originally the cars were one inch long and you played on a grid that was uh, four squares to the inch. Yes, quarter. right. And you had these little turn counters, and mm-hmm. this was the bane of people's existence. It was oh, like yes. a little cutout piece of card stock, and it told you what you could turn. They sort of kept that. What they now do is they have little... For one thing, the cars are bigger. The cars are probably two or three inches long. So mm-hmm. so the play area is smaller because you're not, you know, those maps were pretty big. Right. And it seems like there's not as much space to maneuver. Everything's, at least in the in the video that I watch, everything's a little smaller. But what they've done is they they put the cars on a base and they, have, they actually have cars, like miniature cars now mm-hmm. that you can paint. And the base has an opening on the bottom. It's supported on the front and the back with a little piece of, I don't know, foam board or something. And the the turn counter is now also a distance counter. So you sort of move your car one car length. And then you can rotate the car to a certain orientation on that turn counter so that the lines match up. You basically keep the back corner as a pivot point. Right. And you rotate it over the the corner counter or turn mark or whatever you want to call it. So it's almost the same system. It's a little more user-friendly because yeah. in the old one, you had like pick up your, your right. chit and, and move it. Uh, I don't know if it's worth a new version of Car Wars. Mm-hmm. I sort of, I don't mind the old version. Honestly, if you're, that new version sounds a lot like the current game, Gaslands. Okay. Which is, you use Hot Wheels. And then you still have your 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 sheet that has where you've got your armor, where you got your guns. I think guns you could probably use like, Hot Wheels for this one too. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I'm going to go in for the new updated Car Wars. I think I'll play Gaslands, but I am excited for you know a reprint of the original Car Wars. Yeah. And I still have a lot of my original Car Wars stuff. Do you really? Yeah, I didn't get rid of that. There wasn't really a market for it when I was. I had the mine, but I don't know where it went to. I, I, I never did a purge like you did. Yeah. I just think I lost it somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. And that is one of the games I'm still thinking of running at a convention mm-hmm. because I don't see it, and I know there's a lot of old Car Wars players out there. You know, a game like that would go over, I think, very well at a local convention like Winter War. Yeah. Um, but I also think it would go over very well at GaryCon. I think any place you had old Grognard gamers mm-hmm. would be like, oh, my God, Car Wars, I haven't played that. And the th- one of the hard parts with Car Wars is designing the vehicle because you had to balance cost, weight, and uh, cost and space. Would you just make up some pre-generated yeah. ones? Yeah, and think so that if would... you make pre-gens, you right. get rid of that, and now it's just how do you move, how do you shoot? That's that's pretty straightforward, and I think people that'll come back to people pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Now, what I want to do is I want to make that three D parking garage like my friend Eric made in college. You should go online 
and uh, look for some of those like micro machine garages. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's what idea. you should do. Uh, an actual one because I I actually purchased a huge pad of graph paper. It's like I don't know how big. It's big. It's mm-hmm. it's not a pad. It's like a like a poster board size. Wow. Okay. For so that, that I so I could just layer it on on like a foam board. Yes. If I wanted to make it, but I could just layer it on a micro machine garage. Exactly. Maybe my I'll son, have to look at that. My son had one and it was a pretty intricate one and you could open up certain areas to get to the cars instead of having them like, you know, you had to have like a skinny little finger or a piece Well, of I could always also cut it apart and and sort of stack and layer it side that by side. That is very true. Yes. Yeah. That is very true. Well, I'll have to look into that. Good, yeah, the micro machine stuff. There. And then you can get the micro machine cars along with it and fit in just perfectly. I could. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, Fantasy Trip, Melee, and Ogre are the ones that I picked up. Yeah, we should have had uh, Jimmy on. He yeah. loves Ogre. Yes, he does. And... Uh, I'm trying to convince him to run a game. He wants to run a game of... He discovered Captain Sonar at okay. Game Hole Con. Oh, okay. He really loved I've it. I've never played it. He said he it was the most... He was sweating at the end of that game. Because <laughs> it's a real-time uh, game of basically battleship yeah. on steroids, right? But you, it's cooperative, and you're working with four people on a team against another team of four people, and it's real-time where your sub is moving around and you're trying to track where they're at, overlay it on a map, and yet try to keep it's like your... Tom Clancy battleship. Yes, and trying to keep your systems operational so that you can shoot at them. And he's like, oh, I, you have you heard of this game? And of course I had. And he's like, it's so great. I want to bring it to Winter War. But he's only played it once. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the right way he should go. I think he should play a game or run a game of Ogre. Yeah. Because he is... He's a, he's the man you know, when it comes to ogre. I I was never a fan of ogre back in the day. That asymmetrical game design takes a lot to balance. Mm-hmm. And ogre was sort of the first one. Yeah, of it was those. us against you. Yeah, so you're <laughs> gonna get one. We're gonna get a million. Yeah, and we're gonna try to blow you up. Right. I I don't. It doesn't appeal to me. Even now, I'm like, yeah. I think that they've kind of tweaked the games for the the new editions and such he introduced me to the most recent edition and i really enjoyed it it didn't feel lopsided okay it didn't feel so lopsided like what you're talking about and i understand that because asymmetrical games can be that way Yeah, because you run conan all right. the time which is yes. the same mm-hmm. uh and that's a very well balanced game so and that one is coming out speaking of new games coming up on the in the future Conan, the board game, is my favorite, but they are doing something. Now, which one? You have to be clear, because there's like three out there, right? Yes, Conan, the board game, by Monolith. By Monolith. By Monolith. Um, It's something called Beyond the Monolith, and what it is is a... uh, I'll call them expansions, but they are for a number of games that Monolith has out there, including Conan, Claustrophobia, and I think um, the Batman game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And they're not making you rebuy anything. What they're doing is they're kind of tweaking what rules are there so that you can continue playing with the stuff you have with some extras, and they're allowing it to be solo, cooperative, and versus in the original. So and they, 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 what they want to do is they say, play with what you've got, but here are some other options to use those things that you have. So... Yeah, I'll be hitting that Kickstarter when it comes up. So, 
Now, just switching back to RPGs or to RPGs, I guess not back because we haven't really talked much about it. I am still amazed by the number of new RPGs that hit the market. Do you think that maybe there's a little bit of oversaturation? There, there has to be. I, I, and you know what? I don't know anybody who plays any of those. I don't either. I, I mean, mean, I know people who play Pathfinder. I know people who play D and D. And I think I, I would have to include I only because I'm in the group. There is the D20 Conan RPG, and then there's the Call of Cthulhu RPGs. Yeah. I know people physically who play those, but all these other ones, I've never seen anybody playing. I don't know of a single person, personally, and you would think I would, that plays the Star Trek RPG. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, maybe we're just not in those circles. Yeah. But the I was listening to a podcast, actually, the Appendix N podcast, which is ironic. There's a group of guys that do reviews of books, which we had talked about doing. Yes, but these guys do it so well. <laughs> yeah, that's hard even, for us to. Yeah. We, we might throw together an, a generalized Appendix N. Yeah, but, it would be the crib notes. <laughs> but... They they play Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yes. Now, they must be selling copies because they are continuously coming out with new stuff. Yes. I see their booth all the time at conventions. Mm-hmm. They got a ton of product. I did not know that that was actual role-playing game. I thought it was yeah. just kind of a revisit to the original first edition old school My D&D. understanding is that it's uh, it's like, like Pathfinder was 3.5 made better. DCC is first and second edition made better. So they has that old school feel, but they sort of evened out some of the rough edges and, yeah. and made it a little a little more playable, but still try to keep that yeah. feel. But you're right. There's absolutely a cornucopia of RPGs out there that I can't, you know, I think some people buy them just for the source material so that, or just to have the books to read. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that sometimes. But and I have you know I have Cthulhu. We still need to get a Cthulhu mm-hmm. game going because we were going to talk about that on our podcast and try to get an interview with with some of those guys. But you would think three people could get their shit you'd together. Think, well, hell, we can't even get three here for the podcast. So what are we talking about? Yeah. Um, but you know I don't go nuts on Cthulhu. Right. Uh, so I don't I don't know who's playing all these games now. I know board gamers. I have a lot of board game friends. And they buy a game and will play it once or twice, mm-hmm. and then it's on their shelf. Right. So that's more of a collector mindset. Yeah. But that doesn't really make sense for me in RPGs. Like, you don't collect RPGs. Yeah. Um, I do know of one person who does seem to be a collector of RPGs, whether it be for the artwork, the the idea behind you know the RPG system, whether he makes some type of, you know, hybrid RPG when he plays his games. But he does collect a lot of them, but I don't know how often he plays them. Yeah. So. I, I did back a sort of futuristic post-Holocaust game called Ultraviolet that should be shipping soon. Mm-hmm. But I got the originally found it because they have 20-sided dice that are labeled in Roman numerals, and I wanted that die... <laughs> Just because I'm I'm with you a hundred percent on the Roman numeral die, but I think you probably could have found them elsewhere. This I don't th- know. I don't think so. Really? I, Nobody I, has come up with that idea yet. I I, I have not seen them anywhere else. So now I, wait a second. The twenty sided die. What would be the highest? Would nineteen be the most? The characters? most characters? No, because nineteen would be ix. Yeah, I guess that's it would true. probably well, be eight 
18 XVIII. Right? Yeah, probably. Wow, those are are those like supersized D20s? I I don't know. I haven't got it yet. <laughs> I'm curious. So I want to see. <laughs> but that I also ordered the rule book because yeah. it had sort of interesting content that I could work into my fifth edition game, and I was already getting the die. But right. beyond that, I don't get a lot of non fifth edition compatible supplements. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. So. Yeah. And I don't think that game's going to be super popular, but the people are working hard at it. Yeah. It reminds me of back in the day, right? So, you know, D&D came out. Right. GDW had Traveler pretty soon after, and there was a famous quote by Gary Gygax about how I think, you know, Traveler was a better game than Gamma World or how GDW already grabbed the the sci-fi market and that's the game he would prefer to play or something. Oh, okay. It's in there. I should have, if I knew we were going to talk about this, yeah. I could have looked something up. But the, and then all of a sudden there was an explosion of games. Many of them came out of TSR, Boot yes. Hill, Gamma World. I mean, they had a bunch of stuff, but then other companies just started making, making games. Mm-hmm. And most of them just, you can't even name them anymore, right? right? They, they fell by the wayside. I have right. a feeling we're going through another era because of D&D's newfound resurgence in popularity. All these people who didn't live through that original run are so excited. They're such fanboys. I want to make my game. Yeah. If they just went on the internet, they would probably realize their game has been made. Go to any game store and you will see just books upon books upon books of different RPGs, yeah, of which I've never heard of. Numera is probably the only one that I've really heard, or is it Numera or Thirteenth Age? One of those two, well, uh, you know. And they, some of them use the fate system. I have no idea what any of these. Yeah, uh, you know. I, I mean, we should probably try to play some of these. Well, but, I mean, do we really need to? Yeah, I mean, do we have the time to? Is exactly a, is a bigger issue. Yeah, um, I have played. Um, let's see. Savage, Savage Worlds, Savage, I forget. Yeah, what, Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. You know, I have dabbled in some of these at conventions and Call of Cthulhu I've grossly right. played. Yeah. So some of them have a slightly different feel. You know, back in the day, I played James Bond 007. They, that was one of the first games to use hero points. Mm-hmm. And actually, I got into a debate with one of my game gaming uh people at a convention and just sort of we were talking and she goes oh no no this other game used it i go i don't think so (laughs) so we looked it up sure enough you know the the uh west end games james bond came out pretty early yeah and that used hero points which were sort of like luck points or whatever no as far as i know they were some of the first ones to do it are there any games that you played, board games that you've played in the recent past that uh, were out of the ordinary, new, or does something ba- you pulled off of the shelf? Does Battletech count? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it does. Uh, it's almost a miniature game. Battletech's yeah. a weird game, and they yeah. came out with a new version of that. Right. And when I was at uh, Origins last year, they had just released it, and one of my roommates came back to the room with just an armful of Battletech stuff. They have battle mats with the hexes, you know, roll-up battle mats mm-hmm. on that sort of foamy material yeah. with the hexes already printed out. They yep. got a bunch of different kinds. Of, they got the new mech miniatures. Uh, that is a game I, I would easily be drugged back into if I had somebody to play it with on a regular basis. Uh, I know of a gentleman who lives in Gibson City. Who is uh, big into that? And Gibson City, yeah, that's champagne. Ain't too far away from you, yeah. And he does want to try to reintroduce it to uh, the, our local uh, gaming convention. Well, we at might Winter have War. to 
We have to hook he us up. He wants to do a play test before then, so maybe I can get something together. Yeah, yeah. So battle, and that goes along with Car Wars. Car Wars, BattleTech, could put them in the same. They're sort of yep. miniature games, sort of board games. Right. We actually back in the day did a Car Wars RPG. They had that book they came out with Mech Mech Warrior, and you actually had a character that you played, and we played sort of like the you know the Mad Max ish type, right. you know, the Oasis of Civilization. And it was funny because in games like that, your pilot, you want to have the best pilot you can have. And the gunner, you want to have the best gunner. But you also need a mechanic to fix the mech. So everybody made three characters in this role-playing game. And they could switch off to play whichever one they wanted, right. depending on. But the problem was none of them were worth a damn outside the mech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or outside the car. I'm sorry, Car Wars. Right, yeah. Um, outside the car. So, you know... And it's a role-playing game, so you got to get out of the car every once in a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Inside the car is safe. Outside the car, yeah, well, that's the there wasteland. There was an inherent flaw in that game design yeah. where, like, you know, you literally live by your skill inside the vehicle, but, like, 80% of the adventure takes place outside the vehicle where you just look like a bunch of bubbling Keystone cops. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it was fun, though. I mean, we had fun blowing stuff up. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't actually had any time. Well, it's not true. I have been doing some gaming, but really of late, I've been doing a lot of prep more so than actual gaming because like you, when you get ready for a game convention, you like to do a little prep work. Well, for me, I kind of take it to the extreme because I, even though they're board games and they're kind of set, yeah, role playing, you can kind of go off on a real big tangent yep. and you can't really prepare for that. I've just been playing a lot of the games that I plan on run, running at the upcoming game convention. So I've got kind of an itch to break out and do something new or something different. But I keep getting... I've got this shelf of games in my basement. And always these older games keep reaching out to me. And I'm wanting to play those. And I'm really, really, really... I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but... I think in the next uh, at Gary Con, I think I'm going to play only old school games. That's that's what I've sort of been doing. I, you know, the last at Game Hole, I played an old school D and played old school Traveler. Mm -hmm. I attended s seminars, right? And I I ran Adventures League. That was my you know that was it. Yeah. What do you think it is that is drawing us back to that old school revolution? You know, or part, Renaissance, if you want to call it that. Yeah, part of it is I, I know on the D and D front, I'm, I'm sort of becoming disillusioned with Five E. There's I'm sort of hitting the boundaries of the game system, and I'm mm -hmm. just bouncing off, and it's a little frustrating. Yeah, there's, there's more I want to do with it that the games just doesn't. You know, part of it is. I don't like how how not deadly it is. I, right. I don't feel like the, there's as much at risk. And I like to run a more gritty mm -hmm. uh, RPG, fantasy RPG. I think you're similar. Yes. You, know, you, you like that sort of more gritty, brutal, realistic. Yeah. And fifth edition is really designed around like Tolkien fantasy. Yes, but at the same time, you can still do that. But I think that it's not so much the game. It's the mindset that has kind of gripped the players. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that most of the players expect a lot more 
role play and story, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like and I said, that's the real purpose behind the game. Yeah. But for me, I, I've, I've had my fill of that. And then you also get, you know, I run a, a lot of games at conventions mm-hmm. and you never know what you're going to get at the table. So everything sort of comes out in the wash. Like if there right. was a group that wanted to do heavy role play, I'm all for that. Let's let's go down that road. Or if there's a group that wants to do gritty Conan type realism, you know, let's do that. But when you run at conventions, you get two of one, three of the other, and two yeah. that, that don't care. Um, you had mentioned the uh, Appendix N podcast. And yeah. if you guys haven't, uh, if our listeners haven't listened to them, it might be worth a, a listen. But they had a guest on. And he said one of the things that uh, bothered him about the current edition of D&D is that more time is spent by the players looking at their sheet with all of those things that they can or cannot do instead of looking at the game and the rest of the table and saying, what can we do? Mm Mm-hmm. And that really struck a chord with me. And I think you and I are both kind of on the same page is that the game itself has, has as you said, it's got, mm, you're bouncing off of the, the boundaries of it. And it's it's kind of making us wish and desire yeah, that, I mean, that openness of the original. At Gamehole, I played first edition. I had forgotten how sparse a first edition character sheet is. Yes, there's I mean, very little on you it. You spend more time looking at your equipment listing than anything yes. else. Yes. Because You're like, what do I have to solve this problem? Right. Can I climb that tree? Yeah, there were no skills. Right. Like, everybody can climb a tree. What are you kidding? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's a totally different mindset. And and part of the difference is the you're challenging the players you're not challenging the characters. Yes. And in 5th edition, you're challenging the characters right. and not challenging the players. And I think it does become a little bit adversarial between the characters and the DM because the characters have this stat sheet. Yeah. And the DM just has... And sort of a, a teaser. We're going to do a podcast in the near future on traps. Yes. And one of the big differences, and I don't think traps are as popular as they are, mm-hmm. they used to be, because old traps used to challenge the player. We don't do that anymore in 5th edition. That is true. So now traps are sort of blasé. You know, you hate yeah. to say just make a roll, but in nine times out of ten, just make a roll. Yes. And it never used to be that way. And we'll talk about that in more detail yeah, on a yeah. trap we've, part. We've we don't want to get into it. Many things about that. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what... In terms of the, the games, what are people out there playing? People got to be playing these games because yeah. they're making them. I don't know <laughs> somebody's how, making some how money. well. Now I do have a new project that I'm sort of excited about that I'm going to start working on, and it sort of rela- it, it, it relates to fifth edition. Okay. So you have a huge group of people that want to play a more role play heavy game. Right. A lot of the supplements out there don't support that play style, and a lot of DMs can't run that kind of game. Mm-hmm. All right, they're not comfortable. They don't have enough experience. So when I run my home game, I run a political intrigue-based home game. Right. You've mentioned that a number of times. So I'm actually working on bringing that all together into a supplement that focuses on, I hate to say it, but a keep on the borderlands. (laughs) And I would love to use that title, but I'm not going to. But a a barony Mm -hmm. that's sort of 
on the border, think of the uh, border of the Roman Empire. Okay. So there's barbarians on the other side. There's civilized people on our side. Basically, you're out there like in Germania. Yeah. The very edge, the the leading edge of civilization. And uh, the premise is that, and again, I draw a lot on history because, you know, real life is the best place to get some of these ideas, was the mother of the baron— or the father. It's I, I've I've switched some genders just because I think it's interesting. So I have the mother of the baroness was part of the auxiliary troops for the kingdom, mm-hmm. which happened in the Roman era. These barbarians would join the Roman legion, right. and they would serve, and then they would you know get get land uh, or return you know with whatever. And turns out that she was a. a essentially a tactical genius and worked her way up to become a trusted advisor to the king. The king could never give her, grant her land because Because she wasn't wasn't, born. You know, she wasn't noble, but promised that um, one of her children would get land. So when she died, gave her daughter this barony on on the border because the daughter is half barbarian. Right. Half noble, right? Mm -hmm. So eligible for a title, thinking that can keep the peace in this this barony because has relatives yeah. on the other side of the fence. Now, when you're saying barbarian, you're not talking class barbarian. You're talking uh, yeah. more along yeah, the like line. Yeah, the, like the Roman yes. Anybody who is anybody not who's Roman. not Roman is a barbarian, <laughs> right? Uh, so, but still more wild. You know, mm-hmm. still do the raids and everything. But there's there's you know, it's a porous border. There's trade. There's an economy there. Is this something that you're thinking of putting together and then releasing like on Dungeon Masters Guild? Yeah. So it's going to be a source book. And so there's a lot of, I treat my campaigns like an onion. There's a lot of layers of political intrigue. Within the household, there's intrigue. Um, Within the city, there's intrigue. The other thing I'm going to do, which I don't believe has been done, it probably has, I'm just not aware of it, but the predominant religion in the town is going to be the Druidic religion. Hmm. Now, D&D mostly treats druids as loners. They're just, you know, you're a druid, you go out in the woods, do your thing. But I'm actually going to treat it like people follow the druidic faith. So they go into the woods during the full moon and have a ceremony. The townspeople go, that's their version of going to church, and which is going to conflict with the the kingdom's organized religion, you know, Palor or whoever they happen to, to worship. So there's some conflict that goes on there. So it's going to be everything you need to sort of put together a political intrigue. And then I'm going to release adventures that if you want to to do that, there's sort of a string of them that are loosely tied together. But in each adventure, it'll hone in on a certain group of characters. And the key is the interaction. So how does the Baroness feel about her nephew? Right. You know, are these going to be related to the games that you've already played with your game group? Yeah. Well, I've run this. About two or three times. I mean, I've probably run it four or five times over 40 years. Mm-hmm. This sort of, I like to start campaigns at a low level, and this is a great way to do it because yeah. everything's constrained within the, the you know, walls of the barony. Very role play heavy, very combat light. You know, uh, in the adventures, I anticipate maybe one combat, and it'll be, you know, deadly. Let me ask you, in your, in your RPG worlds... Are you magic heavy, magic strong, or are you magic light? I'm magic medium. Magic medium. I'm not, I'm not magic heavy. I do have spell casters, but, you know, like in this barony, there will be a 
wizard for in in the barony, the baronial wizard. Right. There's a cleric of the local church, maybe some lesser clerics. Right. So maybe in a, a small town of a thousand. So you, know, you don't have like you know every third citizen is a mage. No. Yeah. And like you know the lamp posts are not continual light lamp posts. They're lamp posts with yes. torches. Yeah. That somebody goes around and lights. Yeah. I. I like having magic in my games, but I don't like having everybody who can do it. Yeah, that's one of the things that turns me off to Forgotten Realms, actually. They went sort of a magic-heavy yeah. setting where, you know, nobody uses torches. Why would you? You have a continual light spell. Well, that's true, but, you know, what wizard is going to, yeah. you know— Spend all his time casting continual light. Yeah. For, you know, like I'm a municipal wizard. Like, how does that, you know, and then the old, the He's old a joke, union man. That, you know, I think we did a bit or a, a quote early on in our podcast about the wizard who just polymorphs chickens into war horses and sells them to the, yeah. to the local. You know, I mean, right. it, it gets silly when magic becomes so pervasive that it's technology. I mean, you wouldn't be in a medieval setting anymore. Yeah. Magic and science are equivalent. Yes. So if you advance magic that far, you've eventually advanced science. And why does anybody have outhouses? Right. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't People make People would be like setting up airlines with fly spells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and communication would be instantaneous. Why would you not have, you know, every, every city would have a teleportation circle. It right. would just, you would basically end up, you know, in the modern era pretty quickly if you just yeah. allow magic to... To exactly. be so pervasive. Yeah. Um, over this last year, we are, of course, talking about games that we've been playing. I have succeeded in my New Year's resolution from 2018 to 2019 to play 100 oh, games. Oh, congratulations. I've exceeded that. I'm trying to... I've still got some time. We're not to the end of the year yet. That's true. As of this podcast. I'm pretty sure that I'll be around the 130 to 140 mark of different... And they're not all separate individual games. Yeah. But I think that I've played over 80 to 90 individually different games. Now, you're not counting all those hands of Euchre as one each, No, right? no, okay. no, no, okay. no, no, no. Although, yeah, if I wanted to fudge it. No, I am not. <laughs> no, uh, I think I've got about 80 to 90 actually individually different games that I've played over the past year, which I'm kind of proud of because a yeah. lot of people are, I, I don't want to use the word or the term one trick ponies, but there are some people who only play a game and that's it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm almost there myself. I mean, I play some computer games, but in terms of RPGs, you know, my group, they want to play D and D. So that's what we play. Right. Yeah. Uh, I am a one trick pony in terms of RPGs. Yeah. I play D and D and that's about it. Yeah. I do want to do the Call of Cthulhu. I do want to be introduced to the D20 system because it just sounds interesting. I don't know if I'm going to be a fan of it or not, but it just sounds interesting. Yeah. But in terms of board games, I like to discover. I try not to have, uh, I think many board gamers out there have what they're called, the, the, the pile of shame. Yeah. Those piles of games that you've purchased. Well, for, for me, it's unpainted miniatures. And yeah. yes, there is that. And Maybe, you know what? I'm going to put you on a spot, Dean. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll either be close to New Year's or New Year's. Uh-huh. Right. 2020 New Year's resolutions. I have mine. Okay. I am going to paint a miniature a week. I want 52 miniatures painted You know what? That's 2020. a very reasonable and a very... I might even join you in that. Okay. That's a very reasonable and a very 
attainable yes. goal, I think. Yeah, and you have something to show for it at the end of the year. Yes. I got yeah. 52 painted minis. Now, okay, yeah, I like that. Okay. That's not a bad resolution. And maybe when we get Greg back. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if he even owns paints. Well, he is an artist. He is a very That's good true. artist. But I think that for Greg, that might be a little hard to do. Well, that's why he should do it. Right. It just, but he's so detail-oriented. <laughs> I know. That's why he should do it. <laughs> he needs to face his fears. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to bring that up to him. Yes. We'll have to do that next yeah. time. I like that. I think that may be the 2020 resolution. 2020 resolution. Yeah. I like that. Okay. One mini a week. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to uh, keep a tally somewhere. Post pictures. Right. Exactly. But at the same time, that brings up another point. So many games that are coming out now. It's all about the miniatures. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Oh, there's a ton of Kickstarters with miniatures. Yeah. I, I, I hate to admit it, but and frequently when I look at board games on Kickstarter, I'm only looking at the minis and saying, is this going to be worth it? Can I just tear it apart for the minis? Yes. A young friend of mine um, backed a Kickstarter called Lost Adventures, and it is a D&D campaign with 3D... Basically, the files of 3D, the characters, the terrain, the monsters, and everything. And each thing is part of a succeeding uh, episode in the campaign. Nice. And it looks amazing. But I've done 3D printing. Yeah. And if you want it done well, you're going to use basically a resin printer. That's what my friend Dan has. Okay. It's incredible. But it's very slow. Yes, it is. It would take you all year to okay. print this stuff so that you can play the game. So speaking of 3D printing, <laughs> here's a here's an amusing anecdote. Maybe amusing. Maybe um, slightly inappropriate. I'm not sure. <laughs> Have you ever heard, I don't know, maybe just among my friends, but there was this old joke that like when people would play computer games... They would always say, I play better when I have no pants on. I play better with no pants. I've heard that. Okay. So it's not as common as I thought it was because I've told the story a couple times. People looked at me strangely. So I have a character named Don Diego that I play mm -hmm. in Adventures League. And I've been playing him recently. A, a friend runs a every other Sunday game at the game store. And Don Diego is uh, has enormous self-confidence but little self-awareness. So, you know, my my... Typical introduction for Don Diego is I have bedded hundreds of women, five men, and three goats, but it was consensual because <laughs> like polymorph exists, you know? Right, 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 right. So that's that's his introduction. He's just he's clueless, right? And he he makes passes at everything, which you have to judge the table whether that's appropriate or not. Yes. But I try to do it in a humorous way. I don't mm -hmm. want to be like skeevy about it, right? Right. So at some point in the adventure. There was something about taking off pants. So Don Diego's like, oh, I fight better with no pants on. <laughs> right? To which he got a good, good chuckle. So I went on Hero Forge and I ordered a Don Diego figure with no pants. It should be here this week, hopefully. Awesome. And I get it painted. Now he's got a little loincloth on. Right, he's right, he's yeah. not just he's dangling. Got, he's got right? underpants on. Yeah. Um, but. I have that figure, and I'm going to pull it out now. Now this is going to be his thing, that he fights better with no pants. And the DM says, well, then I'm going to take one away from your armor class. And I'm like, you know what? It's worth it. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, anytime you can get the table to laugh or smile yeah. at the expense of Yeah, the times class. I run into Don Diego is when I don't like, make it abundantly obvious that he's sort of 
a comical character. Yes, you know right. that that he thinks he's all that to to all mankind, and he's fact, all that in a bag of chips. Yeah, as they he's say. he's just a goofball. Um, if that miniature's coming in, that should be one of the fifty-two that you have to paint. Well, t- can we start counting now? Are we going to give ourselves a head start? No, no. How about we do fifty-five and we start now? Well, although it's Christmas time. Yeah. Although that is, for me, that's kind of good downtime because I get a, a week off at the end of right, the year. All right, let's do 55 and start today. Okay. And this is, what, December 3rd? This is December, fourth, uh, fourth. today is the 5th, I believe, isn't it? No, the 4th. Fourth. Fourth. Today is the 4th. Yes. Okay. So we'll say 55 by December 31st, 2020. Okay, 2020. I like and that. that way, if it comes in, I can start painting because I want to have it painted for the next session. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Well, we're uh, close to about an hour of basically rambling about games. Yeah, I mean, I I think our overall goal, if you, all you're playing is D&D, there's a ton of other games out there. There is. And the best place to play them is conventions, because the people running them know the, know the game system. Absolutely. And do not be afraid to go to the conventions. I know that we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but there are probably people out there that are listening that, you know, I don't want to go to a convention. Maybe for whatever reason, they're not comfortable in yeah, crowds. it can be intimidating if you've can, never been. Especially some of the bigger ones like Gary Con or, yeah. you know, we don't want to include Gen Con because that's, as you said. That's a whole other animal. It's an animal unto itself. But uh, go to those game conventions and play some of those games that just strike your fancy, even if you've yeah. never played them before because the people who are offering them up, they're more than happy to teach And track us down if we're there, which we probably will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I need to make some decisions about some... Uh, uh, game conventions that are coming up in our area, whether I'm going to be attending like LodgeCon and, and places like that. I want to go. Another idea I had, I have a nephew who's in school for film right now. Right. And he'll probably, he came out for Gen Con last year, he'll probably come out for Gen Con this year. It would almost be worthwhile for someone, maybe us, to videotape all these old games. Just videotape a play session. So that people can go online and go, oh, that's what that game's like. Yeah. You know, that you never, Twilight 2000, never get to see anybody play. Mm-hmm. That game, Aftermath, never get to yeah. see anybody play. I have all these games that, I don't know if I want to run a campaign, but just for posterity's sake, that someone could go, hey, what's the, what's the deal with this game? I'm go watch a play session and see if right. it's something I'm interested in. You, kind of an archive. Yeah. Because at some point, the only people who are playing some of these older games are the people who either made them themselves yep. or they're the last of their yeah. kind. Yeah, it's like when uh, the you know native languages die out because yes. no one's speaking them. Right, which I think is part of the reason that miniatures are going into a bit of a decline in terms of miniature board gaming and war gaming. Yeah. Because, one, it's kind of pricey to get into. Yep. And, two, those people who know yeah. how to play them. The average age of that group has been rising. Yes, There's yes. not a lot of new blood. Yeah, and I would say that we're on the lower end of of that yeah. age bracket. Yep. And we're not getting into it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I've thought about selling my uh, 28 and 15 millimeter mm-hmm. World War II sets because I just never play them. And they're right. worth quite a bit. Yeah. I have a ton of miniatures for World War II, but I can't see myself ever playing them again. Yeah. And so. that's sad, but it is the way it yeah, goes. There's only so much time. Right. Right. And you know what? <laughs> Get out there and play some games. Yeah. All right. Oh, let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, for the grognards, I am Dean Geiken. But you know what? Since Greg is not oh, here, yeah, you get I almost to, forgot. I get to do you this. You get to do it. Well, yeah. We are the grognards, and you can find us on Facebook. Just search the grognards. We are on Twitter at 
T Grognards and on Instagram at the underscore Grognards. And of course, we've got some email and all kinds of other stuff, but uh, I'm going to give out Eric's personal phone number. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> but yeah, find us, on, uh, find us on Facebook, and we always love to talk to people. Yeah. So, all right, for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. Game on. <laughs>